Hello everyone, I'm Steph, I'm one of the pastors here, and um, <clears throat> for the next part of the service I'm going to be speaking from the Bible, and uh, happy birthday Rev, it's been a good 10 years, um, I want to, I guess, I want to answer the question, well, the question is how do God's, how do God's purposes advance, the answer is by faith. And I want, to, I want us together to get under the bonnet of that a little bit today and really understand that. Because people talk about faith in so many different ways. It can be used very, very broadly, um, very specifically. It can, people can talk about faith and sometimes you hear them and you think, that's great. Other times you hear people talking about faith, you think, that sounds a bit strange. And so I really want to just root some good teaching on faith in the Bible today so that we can understand um, our last 10 years as a church, because we're, we have advanced by God's grace through faith. Um, those, there's that mysterious co-laboring combination between God's grace and empowering and his faithfulness and his promises, and then us uh, trusting him for his promises and moving as if we actually believe him, and then God honoring that and fulfilling his, prom- fulfilling his promises as we act in faith. And that's really the, our story for the last 10 years. And it will be our story if we're to have a fruitful next 10 years. So it's really important that we think through how this faith thing works. Um, so if you have a Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't, then feel free to, to listen as I read. I'm going to read about um, 10 or so verses. If you're not familiar with how the Bible works, it, it was split up uh, into chapters and verses a few centuries after, after it was um, after the last of, of the writings of the Bible were made, I guess just for sort of ease of access and reference, really, it's a very big book. And so the, ver- the, the, the chapters represent sort of chunks in different books, and then the, it's split into, the, into small uh, one or two sentences that are numbered by verses. So we're going st- to look at Hebrews chapter 11, which if you're not familiar with your Bible, is a very, very famous chapter on faith. And it really tracks a lot of the, um, lot of the heroes that we read about in the early parts of the Bible and how they... Uh, obeyed God and how they were fruitful and uh, how they were victorious and how they came through testing times and that's really what the teaching is about and um, so Hebrews chapter 11 let's start at verse one verse one of chapter 11 we're going to read one to three then we're going to read eight to twelve then we're going to read 17 to 19 um, because we're going to focus on Abraham today so now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power. Sarah was his wife, received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which 
Figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Father, thank you for these precious words. And I specifically want to ask you that as I speak today, that you would, by your spirit, freshly kindle faith. Thank you, Lord, that you do. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. You, you begin that work of faith in our hearts and you bring it right through to maturity. So we, we, we just want to say we're in your hands right now. We're in your hands, Jesus. And we pray that you would, by your spirit, work among us. And that our confidence in the faithfulness of our great God would be greater as we leave this place today than it was when we came in. That we would grow, we would be strengthened in faith this morning, I pray. For your glory, Lord, and for our fruitfulness, which again will redound to your glory. Amen. All right. So here we go. Verse one is, is, is very famous. And if you're familiar with the Bible, faith is the assurance of things hoped for or being sure of what you hope for. Uh, uh, the conviction of things not seen or being certain of what is not seen. So quickly, just want to just spend a, a minute or so on this. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not, mm, I hope so. Faith is not optimism. It's not believism. It's not if I say it enough times, maybe I'll believe it. Faith is being sure. Of what you hope for. Certain of what you do not see. True faith, God's faith, faith from heaven operates in a way that is, it operates on a level that is deeper than anything else. That is not to say that your faith will never be challenged. That is not to say that you'll never wrestle with doubts. But it is to say that it is operating on such a deep level that you will come through. That you won't be beaten down, that you won't be overcome, that you won't be defeated, but that you will come through. True faith operates at that depth where you know because you know because you know. You just know. That's how faith works. Now, and there's, there's, I guess, what we might call initial saving faith, that sense where we see Jesus. We see, we, suddenly Jesus makes sense. Um, that moment where, where we come to know him, whether we're at a young age or an old age, but where we are born again, where you come from that, you move from that place of groping around, wondering if there's a God or having some thoughts and philosophies and ideas about God, or you read some books about God. And so you've kind of absorbed some ideas, but really you're groping around to that place where you know him. That's what happens when you're born again. You know him. You're no longer groping around in the dark. You know the one to whom you're praying. He lives in you by his spirit. It's real, realer than anything else. So there's that faith. And then on the Christian journey, there are moments where God speaks in very specific ways. And, it's, and he confirms it to the, to, to the point where you know that you either need to do something or not do something. <laughs> Whatever the situation might be, as an expression, you know God has spoken specifically about this thing, this circumstance, this situation. I've got a gift of faith. I know because I know because I know both the faith, both the faith. One is gospel saving faith rooted in scripture. It's, it's there. It's in the word. It's how you get saved. It's when you come and you cling to Jesus. You tr- entrust your whole self to him. That is absolutely unequaled, unparalleled. That is, that is wonderful. That's the pinnacle. 
But on the journey of faith, there are definitely those times where the Spirit of God speaks through other people, through scriptures, prophetically, deep levels of conviction in your heart where you know he's calling you to do something, and you've got to do it. And he, if it's a big thing, he'll confirm it. So you're not, you're not shooting in the dark, but he'll confirm it. But it's something that you step out and rest your weight on. And you know you've got enough of that certainty to do it. That's how faith operates. That's what we read about in verse 1. Being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. But here's the key. Now, as we get into Abraham's story, we can put some meat on the bones. So let's, so point one about faith is this. is that First, is God speaks and God calls. It's not just, well, being sure of what I hope for. I really hope, you know, I really hope one day I could have a really nice car. If I get really sure about that, that's faith. So you can go down that road where you kind of dream up what you hope for and then you try and get faith for it. Which actually when you read all the stories of all the biographies, you realize God speaks. God, God's, God makes a promise. God makes a promise. And because he is faithful, you can trust your whole weight on it. It's not about my faith must be amazing. It's about the object of my faith must be amazing. I'll say that again. It's not that your faith must be amazing, but the object of your faith must be amazing. Him. He must be utterly trustworthy. Then you can rest your weight. Then you can begin to move in faith. Then you can really lean in because he's faithful. That's the point. So God speaks and God calls. Listen to this. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So he was called. There was a calling that came to him. God spoke to him, go to this place. Now, interestingly, actually, we'll look at in a minute, but the fact that he didn't actually know where he was going, but he knew the direction. So God said, God spoke. God said, go. And so actually, with lots of uncertainty in the air, there was a fact that God had spoken that, that, that produced an environment whereby Abraham could now believe God. The Bible says that God has spoken finally through his son. God has made a a proclamation about Jesus. Here is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Jesus is affirmed as the final word of God. God has spoken in Jesus. You can rest your whole weight on Jesus Christ. You can rest your entire weight. Your past, he will clean it up. Your present, he will come alongside you. Your future, he will make bright. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. It's the final word of God. He has spoken. It is done. There is this calling that comes, which, is be, uh, which goes before any other thing God does, where he calls you to himself in Jesus Christ. And you respond and you say, yes, I'm coming to you. And maybe for some of you today, today is the day where you say, yes, there's that calling. It's that moment like when Zacchaeus in the Bible story climbs that tree and he's looking on. He's interested in Jesus. He's too short to get a view of Jesus. So he climbs a tree. Jesus is walking down the street. He stops when he gets to Zacchaeus and he calls him by name. He says, I'm coming to your house for dinner. It's, it's a calling by name. It's irresistible. Zacchaeus is won over in a moment, takes him home. Before we know it, Zacchaeus is saying, if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to pay him back and I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. I'm going to pay him back fourfold. Those who I'm cheated, Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Jesus has met with someone. He's called them. They've responded and their life is turned around. That's how it works. Even 2,000 years later, this room is full of people that have experienced something like that. Hallelujah. But there's also this specific calling as well. This very, very specific calling that I spoke about here for Abraham. It was go to this place. This is where you are to go. There was, some, there was something that God said to him. God spoke to him. So, so then, you believe, then you act on it because God has spoken. And really that's the history of how this church got started. Essentially, God spoke to me. And he confirmed it. Firstly, there was a restlessness on the inside, an internal 
as a believer, sometimes it happens. You just feel like you know, if you're a gardener and you're going you're gonna to pull up a plant or something, you just sort of shake it and you get the roots loosened. It felt like that was happening to me where I was based. I thought, wow. But I don't know, I don't know what it is. There's months of that, a restlessness. And then, people, and then there's some, a prophecy came, someone who knew nothing about what I was going through. I'd just been describing two hours earlier that I'm spiritually bored. I'm, there's a restlessness. And someone who'd never met me and wasn't in that conversation looked me in the eye and said, you're bored. God's about to move you on. And I start thinking, wow, how have you been reading my mail? How do you know this? How do you know this stuff? You know, and then we began processing it, praying into it, seeking God for more confirmation. Because, you know, up in and moving, up in and moving, small children and all of that. It's a challenge. You think this is a big deal. Leaving what's familiar. Traveling four miles from south to north London. This is big steps, guys. Don't underestimate it. We crossed the Thames. Forget the Middle East. Talking North London. Big steps, leaving our home church, starting something new. This is a big deal. And I remember, and then there was a few roadblocks. Some people, you know, particularly someone important, influential, said, I don't, I, don't, I don't think this is God. And then you go back and you pray some more, seek God, praying, fasting. And then someone who knew nothing about the situation spoke right into it. You know, I see a fire in a box and the fire's got too big for the box and it's got to come out of the box now because, and then God's called you to be a pioneer and just, oh, thank you, Jesus. He confirms it. And then you can look each other in the eye, husband and wife, and say, yeah, we can do this. And faith is stirred between you. And you begin talking about it and praying about it. And then God starts bringing people out of the woodwork because he's on it. That's why. Not because we're special, because he's on it. And people start to sense God's on this. And their hearts get stirred and they gather to it. That's how it works. That's how it works. It's dynamic. It's a dynamic of life in the Holy Spirit. Not just for those who were leading in, in these initial stages, but those who are following. They're sensing God. I'm sensing God's gathering me to this, to you. We want to do this together. It's, there's a spiritual dynamic going on. That's how it works. Faith. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. God speaks. God calls. The second thing is this. It says that um, Abraham obeyed. It's an interesting word. There was something compelling about it. It wasn't just, oh, this would be an adventure, this would be fun. There was something that he felt constrained, compelled. I've got to do this. If I don't do this, I'm being disobedient. You see, faith isn't just kind of, it is, I mean, it's fun and it's an adventure, but there's something very, very strong behind it, whereby actually God says, I'm calling you to do this. And, and, and it's, it works on such a level that you know you have to. It's liberating, but you know you have to. It's like that Matt Redman song, Surrounded, but I've never been so free. You know, it's like, I know the liberty of God, but I know he's, I'm kind of, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a calling from God that works on such a level, you've got to do it. And I remember when I first, when we first came and some people joined the church who, um, I mean, been, it had been a tragic story. They'd, they'd been in a church and I think the, the, the pastor just had a breakdown and run away, run, ran to the hills, you know, and all of that. And they said, are you going to stick around? And it was one of those moments you think, well, I said, I said it's, ultimately, I'm not here because I want to be. I do want to be, but that's not ultimately why I'm here. It's like, I'm not allowed to run for the hills. I can't, I can't just leave here and carry on being a Christian. I can't do that. I'm here until he says, go, because it's an obedience deal. Now, actually, you might think that sounds a little bit, is, is, that, is that fun? I'll tell you what, sometimes, <laughs> but I'll tell you, the other times when you're tempted to go and you're tempted to give up and you're tempted to collapse, it keeps you. It keeps you. Because you know fundamentally this thing isn't about North London, it's about following Jesus. 
And I can't just say, well, I'm having enough, Lord. I'm going over here. I'm going to follow you over here because I said, well, I'm not over there. I mean, he is, but do you know what I mean? He's everywhere. But do you know what I mean? He's like, I'm not, I'm not following you over there. I'm, I'm not leading you over there. I'm leading you here. So you can't just go over there and start being a Christian because being a Christian is following me. And I've called you here. So I can't just do that. Do you see what I'm saying? There's something compelling about it. It's an obedience deal. And it's liberating because what it does, it gets you through the tough times so you can bear fruit. And it keeps you, it protects you from becoming one of those people that constantly jump as soon as it gets tough. And then you look back after a few years and you think, there's, there's nothing to show for my life. Because you've just jumped from this to this to this whenever it's got tough. So the fact that it's an obedience deal, it keeps you in the right place so you can bear lots of fruit. And you think, oh, wow, thank you, Lord. You see, that's how it works. But there's an obedience thing that's going on there. It's very, very important. Sometimes to obey is to move. Sometimes it's to not move. Sometimes it's to wait. But faith is always about facing down your fears that God's not going to come through. It's always about facing down your fears that God hasn't got the power or hasn't got the goodness, as we heard earlier. Those are the fears that creep in. He's not good enough. He doesn't really care. His timing is wrong. He hasn't got the power to actually do that. These things creep in to our soul. And faith faces them down and says, he is good enough. He has got the power. His timing is perfect. He's so interested in me that every hair on my head is numbered. So faith says. It's what faith does. It's how it works. It keeps you strong. keeps you in that place where you're not, you're not going to be moved. Just like that. But what I love is, is he obeyed him and he, he went to a place. He went out not knowing where he was going. Wow. Imagine that, just for a moment. We know the story. We look back and say, Abraham, you're such a success. But rewind, pre-success. He's out, right? he's, he's, he's leaving wife. About 300, well, 300 trained men were part of his household. So probably a thousand or so people in total. Where are we going, Abraham? Big leadership moment. We're going to follow you. Where are, we go- where are we going? I don't know where we're going. So why should we come? Because God has said. God has said. Do you trust God has initiated this? In which case, let's go together. It will be good. Now, praise God in his mercy. He does give us hints and hopes of the future. And he does make us promises to give us a sense. But it, it's, a, it's not like a map. Oh, it's not like that. There's, it's, there's, there's a lot of unknown in following God. A lot of unknown. And often what he does is he just, he gives you, he seeks a promise to you. And, 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 then, and then you sort of think, oh, it's going to be like this, 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 and this. And he's like, I didn't say that. Therefore, don't hold me to how it's going to work out. I just told you what it's going to be. And I, even with our vision to plant churches around London, it's been fascinating how that's played out. And bless you guys for following us as we stand up term after term at the family meeting saying, well, we've got a few more clues, but we still don't know masses. You've just been so gracious. But that's really how it works. We're seeking God. We haven't really got a plan up our sleeve. We're seeking God. And he's revealing step by step and then we make a move. And it's so wonderful what's happened with the Tottenham plant because, you know, we, we just said, well, we're just going to go for North London and just see what happens. And then, and then Mike Betts came in um, and, and he starts to prophesy about Tottenham, just feeling really stirred about Tottenham. And then as he prophesies it, it catches in a few hearts. People start walking and praying around Tottenham and thinking, can we move here? And now we've got a group of about 12 people that in a couple of months' time, God willing, we can launch as a gospel plant. It's wonderful. But you don't always know where you don't know the details, you don't know where it's going to go. But you say, Lord, give us the next step. We're in. That's what faith does. And we can get so into control and you want to know how it's all panned out. I tell you now, it's a false security. It's a false 
security. The true security is knowing he has told us to do this. We are walking in obedience. We'll be fruitful. We don't know all the answers. There's unpredictability. It's not that we're not planning. It's not that we're not doing things, not doing things well. Yes, we plan. Yes, we do things well, but only with the information we have from him. We don't begin to preempt and, and suggest, well, Lord, shouldn't you be doing this by now? We're following him. He's not following us. He's the Lord. He's God. We follow him. So there's the obedience thing that happens there. Just like Jesus modeled such wonderful obedience to us. As I was preparing this sermon this morning, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, there's someone going to be here today. And Tottenham, you're not a regular here, but Tottenham is for you. And you're going to play a key part in that plant. So it's great in Starbucks, God speaks. Just thinking about the sermon today, doing some work on it, and just felt the Holy Spirit say, there will be someone here today. And he, Tottenham is part of his calling for your life, the plant. And it will be a key thing for you. And as I'm speaking, I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit that you would just um, arrest that person's heart right now so they, didn't, they know that it's you and that you would confirm that to them in the coming weeks and months so they would be able to walk into the good of that. And Lord, we look forward to seeing that fulfilled. Amen. Third thing about faith, verses 9 to 10. Are you all still with me? Cool. Here we go. By faith. I love this. He went to live in the land. This is becoming a long sermon. Oh, oh dear. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city. Listen, so it's fascinating. He was living in tents. He was like a nomad, like a traveller. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose builder and designer is God. Let me explain this to you. Faith can hold together the seen and the unseen. He has the ability to hold those two things together. So here's the thing. For Abraham, it was really important he went to this plot of land and walked around it, traveled, sojourned around it because God had promised it to him. So there was a physical place to be with his descendants, but they didn't have the land. That was coming in centuries time. They didn't have it. So they were travelers really, but there was something about being there physically because God had promised it to them. And you think, well, how did he manage to do that? Well, the Bible says he managed to do that because he was, he was fixed on the eternal city. Because he was fixed on the eternal city, he was able to live in that kind of nomadic way. He was able to really engage with physical space, but not become tethered to it in a way that would hinder him in his walk with God. And it's such a powerful insight for us because... You know, God has called us here to reach this part of London. Now, that's what we're doing. We're excited about it. We're called to reach North Central London. We're going to, by God's grace, plant tons of churches over the next few years and decades. Hallelujah. We believe him for that. And while he calls you to remain here being with us, you know, join with us. That's what we're doing. When he calls you on, we will bless you and, and, and support you as you go. But while we're, that's what we're doing. That's what we're about. I am committed to it 100%. I'm heart, mind, soul and strength behind it um, uh, until he calls me on. And that's how we all should live. Don't not commit because it, well, something else might be coming soon. If you don't commit to where you are because something else might be coming, when you get to that thing that's coming, you won't have learned anything from where you were at. You'll just be taking nonsense into the new chapter. That's not good. Who wants to do that? Whereas if you, if you embed, give yourself wholeheartedly, overcome fears about commitment and just grow spiritually where you are, then when God says this is now for you, you're taking a wealth of stuff with you. You're taking all kinds of stuff with you. You're taking all kinds of stuff that God has done in your heart. So it's so important that we engage fully with where we are at, that we say, I'm totally 100% behind this. I can engage in the physical, in the actual space, in, in, with my work colleagues, with my neighbours. Re- if you can't do it with where you're at, then it's pipe dreams to think you can do it somewhere else. Yeah. 
You have to be able to engage where you are. That's reality. So you say, I'm in this. And you say, well, how can I be in this healthily? Uh, here's how. That my heart remains fixed on the new heavens and the new earth. My heart, that's where my heart is. That, pla- that place where there's no more tears or crying. No more death. No more mourning. No more curse. That's, 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 that's where I'm going. So my heart is gripped with that place where I'm seeing Jesus face to face, as we heard earlier. And, 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 and all, those, all those longings, all those deepest longings of my heart find their fulfillment. That's where my heart is. See, then I can fully engage, but it's in a healthy way. That's what faith does. That's what we hear. That's how it was for Abraham. So, so important. I love how we see that in the gospel. Do you know in the gospel... Jesus comes, he incarnates, he tabernacles, he takes on flesh, he becomes one of us, he engages in that little plot of land, no bigger than Wales, for those 33 years or so, and he does the stuff. He, 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 his heart is for all of the nations being gathered together in the new heavens and the new earth. But look what he does, he gives himself to this place and to these people, and he prepares them for their mission. That's the model for us. And in doing so, in engagement, like he gathers humanity up with him into the place of enthronement where humanity in Christ now is. It's glorious. We, 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 we mustn't divorce these two things, the seen and the unseen. We're called to fully invest, but have our hearts gripped with the unseen because the unseen is eternal. The Bible says the seen is temporary. The unseen is eternal. Everything will be shaken until only that remains that is unshaken, and that's the eternal kingdom. That's what we're going for. Fourthly and penultimately, verses 11 to 12. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and a him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now, there was the promised land, but the bigger deal was the promised child. The promised land featured, but it was about the promised child. There was a child. And through him, the descendants would be named. The baby, the, 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 suit, the child of promise, the supernatural child. Do you know, you know what we came here for? It's, we came here for those whom God loves and whom God is going to save and whom God is going to rescue. We came here to reach people, not tarmac, not buildings. We came here for people. It's a physical place. But the bigger deal is there are tons and tons and tons of people that the Lord has in this city and that he's calling to himself. And that's who we're here for. That's who we're here for. We're not here just to have a good jolly and a nice time together. We're here to gather in, gather in, gather in. Why? Because that's the gospel. Father, Son and Spirit open up their beautiful eternal community and gather, gather, gather in those who have come to Christ. That's what we're here for. And so we're here, to, we're here to believe God for supernatural birth. Listen, this is what faith, faith looks at the situation. Sarah, what does it say about her? Sarah is um, past the age. Uh, Abraham, Abraham, as good as dead. All right, these are the facts. Right? Past the age, as good as dead. Right, okay, that's what we got. It's good to be sober. Faith doesn't say, faith doesn't say no. You know, Abraham in faith doesn't say, no, I am, I am a virile stud. He doesn't. It's not faith. He doesn't do that, right? Romans 4 says he assesses the situation. Mm, this is what we've got, all right? This is what we've got. And then he says, but didn't buckle, didn't cave in, didn't stagger through unbelief, but grew strong in faith. 
Why? Because he considered him who promised was faithful and able. And so you look at the situation. This is what we've got, guys. We've got militant, secular atheism on the advance in London. That's what we've got. Okay, we've got a hatred in many, many quarters to what we represent. That's what we've got. Okay. What has God, what has God promised? God has promised harvest. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to be more impressed by? What's going to, what, what's going, what, what, what's going to convince you? Because these things come and these things go. Trends come and trends go. Arguments come and arguments go. There's nothing new under the sun. And none of these arguments, none of these arguments from the militant, secular atheists, there are many arguments they say when they point about, out about the wrong ways religion's been abused, people and all that, which are totally right. And yes, many of their arguments there, they say things you think, yeah, hands up. We, over the centuries, from time to time, the church has been absolute fools. Yes. But once they've done that, once they've said all those things, then tell us what you're going to build with. Tell us, what you, tell us the message that is going to redeem humanity. There is nothing to say. Nothing. It's a cold, hard, empty, lifeless, meaningless universe that they are advancing and proclaiming. It's utterly inconsistent, utterly inconsistent with what it genuinely means to be a human. If you really want to go down that road, you've got to know what you're embracing because it's a killer. It is survival of the fittest. It is no such thing as love. It is no such thing as courage. All those things are simply socially constructed ideas. It's an absolute destroyer of nations. It is Abaddon. It is, it is Apollyon. It is demonic in its destructive power. That's what it is. You have to know it. You can't, you can't waver between two opinions. It's that or it's that. You have to know. You can't, you can't toy with it. You've got to get to the root of what this thing is. That's exactly what it is. I believe God can bring new life where the church looks past the age and as good as dead. I believe that God will give us a harvest. I do. I believe it. We wouldn't still be here if we didn't believe it. Otherwise, we're just going through the motions. We believe for harvest. We believe for new life. We believe that the gospel will be proclaimed and will win because it's God's gospel and he will own it. And we've got to engage with arguments. We've got to make sure that we're not saying ridiculous things. We've got to engage with all of that. But when all is said and done... We have to know what we're about and be strong in it. Finally, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through this one, your offspring will be named. He considered God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Church, tests are going to come. Tests will come to you individually. You will face things individually. It is not the easy road that you have chosen as disciples. Settle it. Settle it now. You have not chosen the easy road. You've chosen the hard road. Settle it. If you don't settle it, you will be knocked off when the tests come. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be very, very fruitful. But it's not supposed to be easy. And tests will come to us corporately. And those tests, what they do is they shake you to the foundation so that you work out where is our confidence. I mean, this moment with Isaac, the child of promise, God says, sacrifice him, but he's only here because you promised him. How does this work? This hardcore obedience, I'll do it. It's just about do it. And the angel steps in, stop. Now I know you fear God. 
And we, we, we're let in here in the Hebrews to what we're not let into in Genesis. In Genesis, we don't know what's going on in Abraham's mind. The Holy Spirit shows the author to Hebrews what's going on in his mind. He's considering, well, if God gave him to me in the first place, God will resurrect him. He has to live. He's the child of promise. God is faithful. The only way this can work is that he'll be resurrected. We believe in a resurrected saviour. <laughs> we believe in resurrection, right? Otherwise, well, you know, we believe in a resurrected saviour. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, we are dead in our sins and we are to be pitied more than all men. <laughs> but he's been risen from the dead. Hallelujah. He is alive today. That's why we are confident that he, he can't live in us by his spirit if he's not alive. He's alive. He's been risen from the grave. Jesus, when he was tested in the garden, could have gone in, could have ran, could have disappeared. He says, not my will, but yours be done. That obedience of faith coming through. What will we do, church? What will we do? I want to just say it now. Remember it. Mark it. Tests will come. Mark it. It's been said. And I want to call you to real faith. I want to call you to deep faith. I want to call you to faith in him. Not in moments, not in experiences, not in, we had a great party last night. Please, praise God for last night's party. But your faith must not be in things like that. It's got to be in him. And that gets worked through in the quiet place, in the secret place. Jesus said, you close your door and you, go, you pray to your father who is in secret. You want to meet God? You go to the secret place. And you get to know him. And you allow him to work on you and prepare you. So that when things get shaken to the foundation, when it's all said and done, you're still there. You're still there. That's what true faith wins through the whole time. We're about to take up an offering now. I want to urge you to take it up in faith. Let it be an act of faith. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is. So it's true that where your heart is, there your treasure is, i.e. where your heart is, you invest. But you may be here thinking, I just want, I really want much more of a heart for God and his kingdom than I've currently got. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. It works in the other direction as well. If you put your resources into something, your heart will end up going there. <laughs> it's very practical. I want to call you to use whatever measure of faith you have got in this offering to give, to invest in where we're going as, as a church for the future. I want to call you to it. got no, no qualms doing that. Don't feel awkward doing that. Feel utterly peaceful and confident because I'm calling you to invest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm, I'm giving you advice that you will, you will high-five me in eternity. <laughs> you will. You will go, thank you. I'll say, no problem. No problem. You will. Because you're investing in things that will not spoil rust or fade. It's a, good inve- it's a wise investment. Jesus, it's a wise investment. It's going to last forever. And we'll, we'll be singing. We'll be singing it. We will be revving it up in glory. Amen? Amen. 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 Amen.